All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the game of the day. It could be the uh, tea time of the day at the uh, WM Phoenix Open. Uh, the game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. They have 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. That's savings up to $14,000 as we welcome in Danny Saul to the big program. Uh, good morning, Danny. How are you down in uh, Arizona? Good morning, Kevin. I'm doing great. It's uh, it is cold this morning here in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, and it it feels like 43 degrees, mm. which Fahrenheit. Uh, I I know what minus feels like in Celsius, but it's uh, it's cold. I don't know what that would be. It's probably just above freezing. So, anyway, it, it's about six um, or seven degrees, Danny. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's uh. Everybody be out in a t-shirt, probably <laughs> playing golf. But here, it's a little different. Yeah, uh, was, is it better today than yesterday's conditions at times yesterday when you guys were out? Yeah, we we were in the morning pro am slot, and we uh, Corey got to Corey got to play with Nick Saban yesterday. Oh, wow. So that was a kind of a special day of golf with uh, with Mr. Saban, and uh, we actually went to Kent State University. He went to the same university as I did. Wow. Uh, Danny Salt uh, with us uh, this morning. Caddy for Corey Connors as the WM Phoenix Open tees off today. So you guys have a, a 12.55 tee time today, Danny? That is correct. And I'm heading out to the golf course to get a pin sheet and have some breakfast. Hmm. And uh, just kind of checking out things here this morning. It's pretty cloudy and cold, like wow. I said. <laughs> well, you're gonna, well, you'll still be in, in shorts, though, won't you? I'll be in shorts. I'll uh, have my Canadian spirit. I got to look like I'm, I can handle it again, yeah. even though it's been a while since I've been home. Exactly. When, when's the last time you've been home? It's been a couple of seasons now. I would say that golf seasons, mm-hmm. and it's. Uh, I did. I did get home to Alberta last summer, but not Edmonton. So, mm-hmm. looking forward to coming back this summer. Danny Saul with us on Sports fourteen forty. So, uh, how many years have you been with Corey, and how have you seen his game uh, continue to evolve to where it is right now? I mean, I this will be my third full season with Corey on the PGA Tour. I worked briefly for him in two thousand seventeen, and uh, his game is just. It's gotten better and better every year. He's actually gotten longer. And he's, uh, you know, like the, the parts of his game that he's, he knows he needs to improve is a little bit of the short game area. Obviously, he's an amazing ball striker, so he hits a lot of greens. And so, you know, the time he doesn't, he needs to, he's working hard on, you know, keeping that momentum going, get saving a par or maybe getting up and down for a par five and to keep the round going. So, yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's, He's an amazing guy. His swing never changes. I never have to talk about his golf swing. So for me, it's, you know, I'm kind of a swing guru. Yeah. That's what I like to look at. And for Corey, it's just a numbers guy. He is, he's, his, he's a well-oiled machine. Yeah. You, you know, it's funny, Danny, when, as you know, and you probably hear about it, the American commentators don't show a lot of the Canadian golfers when they're doing um, wherever, you know, they could be wherever in the field. They have to be near the top for us to see some highlights during a round, it seems. But every one of them always raves about his ball striking ability, and I'm sure that never kind of ceases to amaze you when you're standing there, you know, 10 feet away every shot. 
Yeah, no, I've been fortunate to have some eyes on some pretty good players in my career as a caddy. And for me to be able to work for Corey, it's uh, it's a very easy. I, I see a shot for him, and we're on the same page a lot of the time, which is nice. So he's uh, he's the brains behind it, and I'm the artist. <laughs> so I think it's a nice combo we have. What did you learn, Danny, when you were looping for the likes of EJ Singh and Mike Weir to take it to where you are as a caddy now for Corey Connors? You know, Corey, uh, Mike Weir really got me, you know, thinking like a caddy, not a golf, not a player. So he's, you know, with him, I train, he trained me my eyes and what to look for and, you know, what to think about and how to read a golf course, you know. Yeah, and then BJ was the guy that just, I learned just what he did or how hard he practiced or what he, how he practiced and how he thought and how he worked out. And then, you know, Corey, he's just this guy that I just walked down the middle of the fairway with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully he's get a hot putter and we're going to have a great round. So it's uh, it's been evolution. And, you know, I'd still like to play tournaments myself because mm-hmm. I really feel like that helps me caddy better. You know, I know what that player's thinking about over that ball. It's different watching versus, you know, playing. So it's... uh. It's been a great run so far, and, you know, I'm pr- pretty proud that I'm going to be caddying my 10th Masters this year. I, I was just going to say, and uh, there's always courses that seem to fit the eye of a player. And would you say that's the case with, with Corey at Augusta? I believe so. I mean, he has a right-to-left ball flight, draws the ball, and, you know, some of those holes, he's not afraid to pull driver on 13 and feel comfortable, you know, turn it around that corner and, you know, he just has that eye for this for that type of golf course, and obviously, Mike Weir's taken me there. I've got to play it mm-hmm. and, and just prepare for the course through VJ, Matt Passmaster Champ, and and Mike Weir. So, those two guys have, uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of great notes on that golf course oh. for Corey. How many times have you played Augusta, Danny? And where does it rank for you in the courses, uh, you know, around the world that you've played? Wow, I've been pretty fortunate. I've met a lot of great people and that have been members at pretty elite clubs. Um, I played Augusta twice. Got to stay overnight above the pro shop. It was amazing. And first time around, I didn't. I struggled on the front nine because you know, growing up in Canada, you don't see the front nine ever at Augusta. It was always the back nine. So my eye wasn't quite there for the for the course on the front nine. But the back, I actually played a man corner two under par first time around oh, wow so i was pretty that was my highlight of my uh my augusta but cypress point is probably the most beautiful golf course i've ever been on wow. which We're, is on the tip at pebble beach okay yeah yeah oh wow uh, and for for those of our listeners that don't know uh, you know danny before he got into the caddy game was uh, an outstanding outstanding player uh won the uh sin crude Boreal Open, where I was up there with you in Fort McMurray in, uh, well, what is it? It's 2011 now. It's almost 15 years ago. So just uh, remember that one? Oh, yeah. That was, uh, well, that week I was just kind of in my own little zone, and I still remember it. I, I didn't know I was in the lead. I just I told my caddy, hey, if I if I need to lay up or if I need to tell me what, what I'm at. And so finally he, he told me I had a five-shot lead, so I was okay. <laughs> so it was uh that was a you know special win for me and Nick Taylor talks about it too because um, actually I played with him that week as well so yeah. you know it's uh, 
been a long, great run, and I'm uh, still got aspirations to play the game. At, when I turned 50, I'm 44 now, so yeah. I have six years to help Corey win his major and hopefully multiple tournaments and put some money away, and then I can go focus on myself again and maybe have a, a champion's career run. Well, that would be uh, that would be outstanding. Uh, the WM Phoenix uh, Open. Everyone talks about hole sixteen and what a, a gong show, what a zoo it is. So, when you guys walk, you know, from fifteen to sixteen, what's that experience like? Well, you can you can kind of feel it going up fifteen. You know, you're well, fifteen is a tough hole, man. The the drive is a tough hole, and then you're you're trying to see if you can get home in two on the par five. And then as you're walking up, you're thinking about the wind now for 16 because you can't feel nothing in there. It's like this stale air <laughs> spot where you just you can't feel it. You just hear people. It's loud. Your adrenaline's rushing. And you know you have to take five off. Any club you take, you know you're taking five off that because the adrenaline rush. But the wind yesterday was into our face, and you can't feel it. So, but there's a flag at the very end that it's kind of like you're you got to trust it you, if that wind's blowing you got to understand that hey that hole's going to get affected when it gets above the stadium mm-hmm. so it's a little bit of thought process into the into the shot but I mean Corey's pretty confident he's he's like I'm not taking any more than a nine iron he's, <laughs> but yeah, he, I mean some guys have hit a six iron on that hole that's mm-hmm. you know the hole's only 160 yards long to the middle of the green so it's a you know it's a it's a field shot, but it's a fun. Uh, it's a great. I love that be able to do that shot at one point. <laughs> uh, how does a golfer handle uh, the outside noise there? You know what? It's actually it's different. It's when there's so much noise, you don't notice it. It's just like a dull roar, right? Mm-hmm. You can't. But if it's you know, say you're on the back nine, there's nobody watching. That's where the problem is because people come in and out of this place and they're walking to the Fairmont Princess. They're in their high heels. And they, they don't even know there's a golf tournament going on. So, like, that's the distractions. It's just a couple groups of people that are out talking, having a great time. But once mm-hmm. you get to the the far end of the golf course, the, the end of the course, it's, you know, it kind of all blends in. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite stories, too, still from the, the Boreal Synchro Open uh, in uh, Fort McMurray with Corey. And it, and I can't remember who it is, and you'll have to ask Corey for this, but it was either the year prior or the year after, Danny, when you won. I think it was the year after. So Corey was golfing in, in on the tour with Taylor Pendrith, a good buddy of his, and you know him obviously quite well. One of them missed the cut. And so the other guy caddied for him for Saturday, Sunday. I don't know if you remember that and who, who actually looped for, for whoever made the cut. Do you remember that? I think it was Corey that caddied. Oh, wow. I believe it was. Yeah. So he had, you know, they're pretty tight yeah. and uh, great friends. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, they do that kind of thing. I Actually, I remember a story. I was doing a Monday qualifier for the Corn Ferry and I missed. Taylor Pender was in a playoff. I said, all right, give me the bag. So I went and carry, I carried the bag for him. You know, that's our yeah. kind of our Canadian. We're a pretty tight group out here. We all... We hang out like last night. We had a nice supper at oh, at Adam Hadwin's house. So, you know, the Canadians are a pretty tight knit group. It's a big year for Canada golf. Mike Weir's the captain mm-hmm. of the President's Cup team, and you know he's going to have his hands full picking 
four, at least, you know, there's four Canadians that have a really good chance. Yeah. Uh, just one last one. So how does the day go here? You said you're just kind of getting to the course and you'll walk around a little bit. And then how, what do you do? You go to the to the practice facility first and the green, putting green. How, how does it work for Corey? Yeah, Corey, pretty same same routine every every week, week in, week out. We start on the putting green, roll some putts, calibrate a stroke, get the speed of the greens, about 30 minutes, and then we head to the range, work on the game, uh, get his numbers, and then, uh, you know, he's about an hour and 10-minute guy before his tee time, unless we have to walk somewhere. But he's uh, he's pretty focused. He's, he knows what he needs to do, and it's pretty easy to up for him. I just like to get here early, see what's going on, and mm-hmm. get the pin sheet, put it, you know, get do a little studying, and uh, yeah, I'll be ready for him when he's when he gets here, probably around eleven. Well, Danny, can't thank you enough for taking the time on, you know, round one on round one, the morning of round one, as you guys get ready to tee off uh, at twelve fifty-five. Uh, it's just going to be, we'll be all watching up here for sure. So, thanks for this. Good luck on the weekend. We'll see you soon, big guy. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate the call. All right, that's Danny Saul, a caddy for Corey Connors as they get ready to tee off 12.55 at the um, WM Phoenix Open. Our uh, game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge. See how easy it is to do business with the great people up there. When we come back, it's time for our headliner of the day, Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Reuter. There are sports fans like all of our listeners and are totally pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, go to Mr. Reuter. As we welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Good morning, Frank. Kevin, how are you? Ah, we're doing great. Just had Danny Saul on, uh, the WM Phoenix Open. Danny Saul's a caddy for Corey Connors. I've known him for a long time. He's uh, from Sherwood Park here. So he used to caddy for Mike Weir, VJ Singh. Now he's been on the bag for Corey Connors for three years. So do you do you watch the, the WM Phoenix Open? Or the oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a big golf fan. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, it's supposed to warm up in a big way this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I have a 9 a.m. tea time on Saturday. Come on, where? In Philly. Yeah, like it's, just uh, out, like it's you know. Be, what would it be? Celsius? It would be like 14. Yeah. Or 15 on Saturday. Well, Danny just said that right now in uh, in Phoenix, it's technically uh, it's plus six Celsius. So. He's what did he say forty three or something forty three Fahrenheit so it's cold there it's cold for that but so you must be just jacked to be doing that oh are you kidding oh. and it's the one so we are you know I coach hockey yeah. our, our game is until five p.m. on Saturday so oh. I'm not even missing anything I'm just taking advantage of a warm winter day with the boys well again Frank uh, with your summer excursions we still have to talk about the. Uh, Kevin Carey, Celebrity Golf uh, hey, Tournament. Uh, you send me the deets, I'll put it on my calendar. I will. And t- to be honest with you, the last time we talked about it, our uh, t- technically our, our presenting sponsor, our title sponsor, Prism Flow Products, uh, said they would want you on, on their team. And I was oh. like, you got to be kidding. How about that? Yeah, so there you go, Frank. They're as big. long as they're into mediocre golfers who are a way above average beer drinkers, I'm good. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's kind of been their MO for many years in the tournament, so uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, you just updated the old uh, daily face-off trade board this morning. Yeah, I had to after it was decimated with Lindholm, 
Monahan and Kuzmenko all traded out of the top 10. And your number one trade target is now Noah Hannafin. Yep. And look, I know the Flames are waiting for an answer on Hannafin this week as to whether or not he's going to resign. With the cold feet that he had earlier in the year, despite having a $60 million contract on the table, for me, until that deal is signed, it isn't. And right now, after having the premier rental center on the market, now the Flames have, if Hannafin moves, the entire market cornered defensively with both Hannafin and Tanev potentially on the move. It's a pretty envious spot to be in if you're Craig Conroy, knowing what you were just able to get in the last eight months for Tyler Toffoli, Nikita Zadorov, and then Lindholm. How much do, do you think that the Flames' success here in the next two weeks has a bearing on what Noah Hannafin does? I don't think... Um, you're saying what? How you know, the like Cal- play? Calgary wins in Boston. Not, you no, know, I don't think. You know. I think they're past that okay. now. I think they've determined that even if we get in, and and who's to say trading like that's that's a win in Boston after moving Lindholm? Yep. Who's to say that if we trade these two guys that we won't make it anyway, or at least be competitive? Mm-hmm. I just think that you know if something happens, say Calgary goes on a little run here for, you know five, six games and puts, you know, puts itself into a position where they're a lot closer to where they are in a, in a wild card. And maybe, maybe there's some chemistry with Kuzmenko and, you know, things, maybe they get something for Tana. That would be the best thing that could happen. You yeah. trade away these guys and you still make it. Well, absolutely. But it, I just don't think they're going to, yeah. I'm not, I don't think Hannafin is an exception because they've been trying to sign him since October. Mm-hmm. Tanev is, is gone. He's going, yeah. he is being traded. There's not going to be some last-minute contract extension to keep him. Precisely. That's why I'm saying maybe there's a chance that Hanovan sticks around. No? I don't know. I, I, I understand the pull to keep him. I also think two things have changed. One, you've had Oliver Shillington come back, which I think lessens their load if they can try and find a way to keep him. Mm-hmm. If you can go Uyghur, Anderson then Shillington, it's at least a better setup than just two of those guys if you were trading Hannafin. So that's one. It kind of gives them a little more flexibility. Two, I don't know about you and how you you know run your business, but for me, if I, if I have anyone that shows any signs of potentially not wanting to be there, mm-hmm. I want to move on. Yep. And, and Hannafin had expressed to the Flames, sources say last year, that – he had preferred to sign in the U S as a free agent. So you give him exactly what he wants in October and he still doesn't put pen to paper. He gets cold feet. You're waiting at the end of the aisle. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm if I were, let's say they get a, a deal done and they feel great right now in the moment. Who's to say that two years from now, if this flames team is not better yet and more competitive that he doesn't turn around and say, Hey, you know what? I know I re-signed here, but I should have trusted my gut. I should have gone to free agency. I'd really like for you to move me. Then you're up the Creek without a paddle. Mm -hmm. Not to say that the contract is going to be prohibitive because we still don't know exactly how the defense market shapes up as a whole two years from now. But man, I, I, I wouldn't want to be in that spot. For me, it's asset management, as you say, Frank. And I really think that I'd be shocked if he 
does you know sign in Calgary here in the next couple of weeks, but I really think he wants to play in the states, northeastern northeastern states. I think he does. Well, it makes sense to me, and mm-hmm. and then then how much does that limit his trade market? Yeah, like that's been the big buzz the last you know day or so. Is we know the Leafs are interested in Chris Tanev. We know they don't have a second round pick. But if they trade their first, is there a way that Brad Tree Living can pry loose both Hannafin and Tanev? Mm-hmm. And does Toronto being a lot closer but still in Canada, can he live with that? Is that a potential to re-sign? I, I think there's lots of intrigue there as to what that looks like if the Leafs were trying to try and get both of those guys out of Calgary. Frank Saravalli, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Frank, you've been doing a deeper dive in what's been going on in Phoenix. Well, I guess the lack of what's going on in Phoenix. And I guess uh, people are so frustrated. You're frustrated. I think fans are frustrated. The league's frustrated. I'm not frustrated. You're not? Care. You don't care? I don't care. what. I, I mean, people are tired of the story, but I'm, I, well, that's in frustration. Fact, I'm actually juiced up about it because... Yeah. We've got a lot of action here. <laughs> I mean, frustrated in where the story is. That's no, yeah. I don't. Well, I'm it is, frustrated. The story with it. is what it is. I don't really care. I, think, I don't care who wins and loses. I, as long as people are interested, that's all I care about. You know and, what? And this one, our story on the Coyotes this week has yeah. been the most read thing on DailyFaceOff.com. Hmm. Well, the, the Oilers are practicing uh, at Acrisure Arena today, where Coachella Valley plays. Uh, you know they might as well go there and, and play. As far as I'm concerned, already with what what's been uh, going on. Well, what maybe do you, they could visit with Hitch. Well, they could. They could fit in Palm Springs. Grand Fury is down there too. He does color, and he's our co-host oh, wow. on Tuesdays, so they could hang out with with Fury and uh, see what's going on there. But I mean, you. So you you say you're you're just you don't you wish that that there was a solution here finally? I think the solution is to move the team. Okay, you've got a prospective owner. In Ryan Smith, who owns the Jazz, who is so enthralled by the idea of joining your small billionaires club, that's a market that's been one of the fastest growing in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I think there's such a toxic energy that's existed around this Coyotes franchise that I don't think there's any room left for them to be successful. Two different municipalities have told them no. They're trying to get land via state trust and an auction as a way to solely avoid a referendum because they don't think they're going to win one. There's been bankruptcies, receivership, multiple ownership changes, and two decades worth of losing. I am a believer in the Phoenix market. Me too. It's wealthy. It's the fourth biggest in the U.S. There's tons of snowbirds that come down from Alberta and elsewhere. There's all sorts of reasons why a team can work there, but not this one, not with the toxicity that surrounds it. So what do you do? You move it, you change the name, and five years from now, you spend this time to find a proper owner and someone that will build you a building, and you can start fresh with a new team in that market that has a better chance for success. So you're saying that that would be an expansion team in five years with building and everything, land, yada, yada, yep. into Whatever the time frame is, but it, yes, whenever the NHL is ready to expand, doesn't Phoenix just make sense? It does, but in the same, same breath, let's play devil's advocate here. Don't you want that money from an expansion team in Salt Lake instead of a team moving there? Who's to say that you can't orchestrate getting that much from Ryan Smith? 
But if he's, I, I would rather start Smith with selling? what the Coyotes have assembled, player and prospect and pick wise, than be an expansion team. I, I get it, but isn't like Smith would be buying the team from Phoenix? Well, what you could do, and this is part of what is going to be a fascinating development over the next few weeks, is if you're the NHL, you force, and I don't know what the legalities or NHL mm-hmm. constitution is, you force the Maruello family to sell you the team back because I'm sure there was some stipulation in their deal that they needed a new arena or needed, you know, something that they're obviously not upholding to the NHL's timeline. Mm-hmm. You force them to sell to you and then you extract the billion plus dollar fee that's instead of an expansion fee, you just call it relocation fee. Mm-hmm. And then that way you get three cracks at it two new expansion teams plus the relocation fee, and all of a sudden your 30 owners that are getting a slice of that are thrilled. A lot of money for the lawyers, Frank. A lot of money for the lawyers. Um, 1500 bucks an hour. It's the way to do it. <laughs> kind of like your wage. Uh, yeah, Ash Lubs <laughs> over here just, just trying to make it. Yeah. Uh, Oilers, and we never talked since the Tuesday night game, uh, the Oilers in Vegas. Uh, the streak came to an end, and uh, it was a close game. Could have went either way. You're just uh, overall thoughts from, you know, a league standpoint, what the Oilers accomplished and, and uh, the outlook that it came from just, uh, you know, a guy on the eastern seaboard here. Incredible. I, I think... It'd be fascinating to know which members of that 1992-93 Penguins team were paying attention that <laughs> well, hold the record. For Rick Tockett was. Yep. I'd imagine there were others that, you know, you, you only get so many, you know, your name attached to so many records unless you're Wayne Gretzky mm-hmm. that that one would probably stand out. And so um, to win 24 of 27 was insane. It was really odd to me to see the reaction kind of in the Edmonton market. Like, it's one game. Like, you weren't <laughs> going to go undefeated the rest of the way. And you lost to a worthy opponent, a team in Vegas that, quite frankly, over the last two to three weeks has really gotten its act together and will more so when mm-hmm. they get healthier with Shea Theodore and Jack Eichel and that whole team. Really what it does for me is it sets up what is very likely to be a first-round matchup that, I think with two teams that have a lot on the line is is really kind of a coin flip. And it would be an absolute bloodbath in the sense of uh, the competitive level, not saying it's going to turn into like a, a crazy physical, you know, back in the yeah. 70s, 80s days. Tuesday but, night, I mean, that that's you know. a that's a... That's a ready-made preview for you. Yeah, exactly. So anything else cooking, Frankie? So you got the golf, you got the kids hockey, anything else for the weekend? Uh, no, that'll be it. We hmm. got, uh, well, Super Bowl, you got probably to watch. Oh, uh, yeah, Super Bowl and just trade stuff. Yeah. Um, tomorrow is a breakdown of Alex Carrier in his game as the Edmonton Oilers are likely in the market for a depth defenseman. Hmm. Take chicken wings out of the equation. Take, um, I don't know, whatever the number two, uh, appetizer that you like. Mm-hmm. Take them out of the equation. What's what's going on on Super Bowl Sunday that you would have as a little, uh, you know, a little tidbit, little uh, nibble, little nibble uh, action? I would say I make a mean chili. Ooh. That would be one. I use a pressure cooker. It's, it's really good. I would say the underrated, like, they always, like, every Super Bowl party probably has them. Mm-hmm. But nachos, if you do nachos really well, it can be a home run. 
Well, we'll be. Uh, it's going to be a lot of shitty and sad nachos. Though. Yeah, That's there the are. There are. Even when yeah, when you go out, but if you can make a good nacho platter. And have the. It's all about the layering, Frank. All about the layering. It's a. You got to find a way to get some liquid or melted, like liquidy cheese in there that just on the transcends bo- it, like a kind of like a lasagna. Like if you pull a chip out from the top, there's some stuff that should there be better moving. be something on it. Yeah, and and even from the side, there should be. You know, you should have some movement. It's not just sliding out. How's that sound? And you need some meat and some sour cream, some guacamole, some tomato, like yeah, all black olives. You need the whole thing. Well, Frank, everyone's getting hungry in here already. So thanks, yep. big guy. Enjoy the weekend. And hey, hopefully you can hit them straight if you do golf. Yeah, we'll see about that. I mean, haven't picked up a club in three months, but I, I suspect I'm not alone. You got that. Although, you know, people were golfing here on January the 7th or 8th. Had to be the first time in decades. It was was tough to put a pig in the the ground. I bet it was. (laughs) Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it, buddy. Have a good weekend. That's uh, Frank Saravalli, our headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. When we uh, come back, we'll have a little open text time. Uh, Pillman just said, does Frank need a fourth? Yeah, head out there. I'm sure. I'd you, go. How about you could just caddy for him? You could be the Danny Saul for Frank Saravalli. I'd caddy for Frank. Why wouldn't you? I think that'd be, like he said, uh, average or uh, below average golfer, above average uh, beer drinker. That's right up my alley. Frank's golf bag would remind me of Al Cervix. <laughs> Do you know who that is? No. Come on. That's Al Cervix. Okay. Okay. Well,. We'll let uh, Donovan, the intern, check the old... Uh, Donovan's inter- a big golf guy. Well, so. he doesn't know who that is, no, obviously. He's, sh- he's shaking his head, too. But. I bet there's going to be 10 texts that come in right away here. We'll uh, let you know who he is right after the break. Stay with us. Well, the Duke, that's a little Shenandoah. Sure is, Kev. That's one of your all-time favorites, isn't I it? I love Shenandoah. You betcha. And you checked out uh, Al Cervic on the interweb? Yeah. it. Uh, I, I, always- I, I threw a curveball at you guys. You guys were thinking real. I yeah, like I was trying to. Sc- I was like, is this somebody that was uh, you know up against Arnold Palmer in the final of some major or something? <laughs> and then uh, as soon as you type it in, obviously you feel a little a little silly and a little shameful. Here is the best one. Doug texts in and goes, <laughs> "Was that the guy with the wooden hand in Happy Gilmore?" Uh, no, that was the uh, recently passed away Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers as yeah. Stubbs was the name, right? Chubbs. Chubbs. Chubbs, Chubbs and Peterson. Stubbs. Chubbs Peterson. That sounds right. Yeah. Stubbs. Yeah, he had that bad wooden arm in there, didn't he? <laughs> what so a great funny. character. Uh, no, it wasn't Doug. That is not who Al Cervic, but you're on the right track. On the right track. Hacksaw texts in and goes, 2K, uh, Al Cervic. Uh, then it says... Uh, <laughs> this stake still has marks where the jockey was hitting it. <laughs> so that's one of the one of the parts of the movie. Chef comes out and goes bananas. He also walked up to the bar in the same movie and said, uh, "Yeah, he said to the bar, young bartender. Bartender is one of the caddies, and we might as well. It was from Caddyshack. Al Cervic was uh, Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield. You're a big Dangerfield oh, guy, hey? Yeah. Massive. But okay, now do you remember the golf bag? So the golf bag that Al Cervic had in, in Caddyshack was probably, oh, I don't know, it was the biggest bag you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. It had a stereo. It had a, 
There, uh, like a, a club popped out that uh, basically held a beer keg in there. I was gonna say like the 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 drink holder. Well, no, like, a beer well, keg. That, yeah. um, like a tap. Yes. Yeah, yes. I had a beer tap, like a keg, and it had uh, the stereo, and he turned it up, and they were playing uh, the song on the fairway, and then uh, Ted Knight, the the judge, gets all mad and <laughs> going pretty crazy. Uh, but he goes up to the the in the bar there and he says God, can you make a whatever and the kid says can you make a shoe stink <laughs> Al Cervic one of the all time greats yeah Rodney Dangerfield was like he was an absolute beauty you got What's to see back to school back to school yeah, yeah. That's, I your, mean, that's one of your favorites back to school they did the triple Lindy off the three boards there's so many lines in that in that one they were, uh, I think there was a big fight in the bar and some guy said to challenge, challenge Rodney Dangerfield in the movie and says, uh, uh, I don't get mad. He says, he gets mad. And there's, a, that's another guy, the Rocky connection. Burt Young was the bodyguard. Burt Young, who is Paulie in the Rocky movies. Oh, there you go. Was Rodney Dangerfield's bodyguard in Back to the, uh, Back to School. Hmm. Uh, text coming in, one 401 It had a TV too, Michael says. Yeah, there was a little TV in there. Nails, your cousin, says, is there a fit for TANF anywhere in Edmonton? Yeah, there is a fit for him. It depends on what you want to do. You'd have to, you would think that you would be wanting to move out someone where the on, on the top 6D is. Is that a... I mean, Cody CC name, his name gets brought up all the time as the guy that could possibly be moved out on the back end for several reasons. It's his contract. He doesn't have a, a no move, no trade. So that's the possibilities are always there. How big of an upgrade is Tanov over CC, who you have under control again for next year? Uh, my answer to that question to what you just, the most recent one, how much of an upgrade? I would say he isn't an upgrade on Cody CC. Like the Tanev acquisition, if he's like your extra defenseman, because right now the, the next yeah. man up is Phil Broberg going to the playoffs. If Chris Tanev is your extra D-man and like maybe getting in the mix every uh, few games down the, the back half of the season here, I'd be okay with that. Is the cut, but then again, to make the numbers work, that might be another yeah, story. That's in itself, the whole thing. Right? So, so you're I, I, moving I, I someone out. I think there's better. If if better you're making a trade for someone like that, you're playing him. Like that's yeah. that's that's just uh, any time that a, a coach you know gets a player that his GM has traded for, they go right in the lineup. How about the coach knows the GM just traded for this guy? I'm playing him. Here's the thing. I uh, I can't remember what year it was exactly, but it was when the Ducks were actually competitive and like a uh, 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 you know looking to make deep playoff pushes. They traded, I think it was a first round pick for James Wisniewski at the deadline one year. Did not play a game <laughs> down the stretch. Rockford texts in. Do you think Buffalo would entertain moving Alex Tuck, perfect winger for Dry Settle? We uh, talked about this for about five minutes yesterday. Would they entertain it? Like every team would entertain. Why would almost you every not player. want a guy? That's no, no. But would Buffalo entertain moving him? That's where I'm oh, saying the price where is I'm, right. Anybody will trade anybody. Oh, the prices would be astronomical. It would be massive to trade a guy like Alex Tuck again. So now Alex Tuck has two more years, four point seven five million. In order for him to come in, so now you got to move. You have to move four million salary out. Now, what would Buffalo want? to take $4 million of your salary, and then what more would you have to give 
within prospects, within draft picks. Even the draft picks that are going out right now, people are throwing away these late first rounders. No one cares about them anymore like they did back in the day. It's not that big of a, a currency. I just don't think Buffalo, again, the Sabres have, he's one of their pieces that, they, that they're building around. Great player, and, and it's a good question. Would they entertain? That's the question. Would Buffalo entertain? Not should the Oilers go get him and give up everything. JCD says, Alex Tuck is the Buffalo Sabres. Um, back to uh, Caddyshack. I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for a while. That's from uh, Caddyshack. Bill Murray. The Cinderella boys and the 15th tee of Augusta. Bud Baker says, to Foley and Sunquist deadline acquisitions. Again, the price on Toffoli, big, big. Rockford's, Arizona's, right D, Sean Dersey, $1.7 million. He was a real pain to play against L.A. I would imagine he would be on the radar for a lot of players. I don't know how many. He's got to have more than one year left at 1.7. Do you know that, Duke? I will check that Just right now. Just checking it right yeah. now, actually. Sean Dersey, $1.7 million. He is an RFA at the end of the year. I would imagine, again, but I would imagine that would be a guy that some players or some teams would be going after as as your 6-7 guy. I, I think there are teams more desperate for the upgrade on defense than maybe the Oilers are at this point in time to outbid them, I think. Um, with whether it be draft picks or prospects. I'm not really sure what kind of price he would fetch. Like, <laughs> I'm just looking at uh, Arizona's total <laughs> defense. They're, the players that are on their active roster, their entire defense, $6.5 That's a pretty uh, stomachable number. Three guys on uh, entry-level deals? Yeah. Uh, two of them, technically Dermot's not, but only making uh, 800 k Yeah. Uh, Valley Macos at a million. Josh Brown, one point two seven. Sean Dersey, the high earner. Yeah, he's the he's 7. the highest guy. Well, they oh, have every single one of those sixty men expiring contracts. They still have Shea Weber on injured reserve. <laughs> it's just insane. Oliver uh, Oliver Ekman Larson's on dead cap. Yeah, dead cap. Uh, Dumba and Stetcher, of course, the yeah. actual. I mean, but even Stetcher's not making a, a ton of money by any stretch. So, oh uh, yeah, that was a good chat about the the Coyotes' current situation you had with Frank there. That was. Uh, on the, on the what? On the, about the, the Coyotes and their yeah. future and the possibility of the, the old um, relocate, then expand back to there. Well, again, it's all going to come down to, to the money. And, and Frank was sort of explaining it, and I, it was kind of over my head in the sense of how... So if you're saying a team can relocate now and owners are still going to get some money... Like, again, what do we figure out? If you're going to do a billion bucks, a billion dollars for a new team in Salt Lake, each owner is going to get about 35 mil ballpark. Yeah. Is that what we're at? I don't know. 30, well, 31 teams times whatever, right? Is yeah, that split, split a billion 16 ways or uh, 30, 31 half a times, billion yeah. 16 ways. Well, split, yeah, it's 30, yeah, whatever. So, so 
if you if if I'm an owner, I'm going. Well, no, no, you, you guys can just sit there in in Arizona. I'd rather get my thirty three million dollars from an expansion team than 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 move a team and not get any money. Tom, uh, let's see, uh, David Schlemko. Oh boy, and you know what? How about this? This is a David Schlemko and Mark Spector's first little foray. With yeah. That. So five months because, you know, Schlemmer's um, Wednesdays usually from 9 to 11. So he misses Speck. Schlemmer's coming in here at the top of the hour to co-host from 9 to 11. And then, of course, Mark Spector at some tiki bar in Bakersfield, California. will uh, be with us at 9 o'clock. We'll have Bill Lindsay at 9.20, Florida Panthers uh, analyst. And then uh, Brendan Jansen, Nate Women's Hockey coach with the Ukes. Uh, that's coming up at uh, ten twenty. Rockford's really high on Jersey. Uh, Jersey nine goals, twenty nine assists with LA. Eight goals, twenty assists in forty two games. Tailor made for Paul Coffey's system. Wonder where Jersey is on Frank's board. We haven't seen that. Hmm. Uh, I trust Holland to acquire someone who we don't even have on the radar. That comes from Jordan. And IMAC, getting back to the uh, golf bag from Al Cervic, Any Way You Want It by Journey. Do you remember that now, Duke? Yes. Any Way You Want There you go. Uh, I'm scrolling down Frank's uh, board here. I Not don't on it. see uh, Mr. Dersey yeah, in I'm the texting top Frank right 35. now about it. I'm going to text Frank about it Unless right now. Unless he was up in the top 10, I scrolled right past. I know Sean Walker is Maybe in the he's top not 10. available. He's their top D. <laughs> what happens if they trade him? Mm-hmm. Who's next up? <laughs> you never know. Uh, coming up, top of the hour, it will be David Schlemko and Mark Spector. Before that time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns. Our unique lounges and casual setting makes it easy for anyone to rock a new look and get the best hot towel shave experience in Canada, hands down. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.